Our guest presenter today is Paul Vandervliet, preacher and speaker. We're going to be in the book of First uh, Peter. Let's open in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that it is living, that it's eternal. Father, that everything we need to live by and even to die by is right here. Father, help us to read in, dig in, and Father, walk away from today and every day that we spend in your word, every moment that we spend in your word, grow us up. Paul said in these bodies, they're decaying, but the inner man is being built up. And the only way we can do that, Father, is through your word and through your spirit and through fellowship with believers. Watch over Chuck and Kim as they're away. Lord, build them up. Get them prepared to come back and to minister here, wherever they are. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, Joy, my wife, uh, and I were, uh, we had just become members here, you know, it's like 10, 11, 11 some odd years ago. Um, we had left the church um, to come here, uh, you know, as, as uh, attendees. And then we came here. I knew, I've known Chuck for many, many years. And uh, we started coming here. Really felt good. Uh, felt like Lord had opened up doors. Uh, we went through that process of membership back then. Um, and uh, shortly after that, uh, God called me into ministry. I think, <laughs> I think he was actually saving you all uh, for my presence. But here I am back again. We had ten wonderful years of ministering did not turn out the way I'd anticipated. A long time ago, I started into school. The first college I had, uh, I was in the mechanical field for a long, long time. Uh, boiler licenses, um, you know, certifications, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I loved it. I love when things broke because it gave me something to think about. Okay, what's broken? Why did it break? How do we fix it? How do we keep it from breaking again? And then one day I woke up and it was just kind of like, I stopped enjoying it. And shortly after that, God gave me an opportunity to start attending what was then I think it was Philadelphia College of Bible. The name has changed, I think, 18 or 19 more times. Um, <laughs> for those of you who are aware. Um, but anyway, I, 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 you know, started taking classes, going to Liberty Corners um, in uh, New Jersey, and uh, was pre-seminary for years. It took me 14 years from no college to a master's degree. And I want to explain that because that does not on the surface sound good, that it took me 14 years, but I want to explain that. 
I was only taking one or two courses a semester, one or two classes a semester. And I really enjoyed it because some of the, the people that were there, um, how many of you are like 19, 20 years old? Anybody 19 or 20 in here? Somewhere in that neighborhood? All right, put your hand down, sir. You are not. <laughs> But, I, yeah, I'm not 45 either. Um, but it meant something to me to be able to spend hours digging into the Word of God, studying it like I've never studied. Back in our church up in North Jersey, where my wife and I had gone for years and years, had some wonderful Bible teachers, pushed us, challenged us to study the Word of God. Um, I'll try and keep this short. Long story short, we moved from North Jersey to uh, Langhorn so I could finish my schooling. We sold everything, packed up, you know, just really, it was quite the lifestyle change. We went from a big old Dutch colonial that was part of my job package to a two-bedroom rental. And it was during all this change that I had this most tremendous episode in my life. I was assailed with just thoughts that I have made the biggest mistake in my life. I've uprooted my family. Everything was in a state of conflict internally. I ended up dropping out of school for, I think it was a semester or so, during which time I prayed and many prayed for me. And my wife said, well, why don't you go back into the mechanical stuff? And I said, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. I knew enough that I needed to be in school but I had no idea what I needed to be studying. Talked to my advisor, who at that time could have, was young enough to be like my, my son, which is really odd. Uh, they called me non-traditional. That's a polite way of saying, man, you're old. <laughs> so what they decided to do is give me a, a shotgun approach gave me a few of these, a few of those different types of, of endeavors. And, and what was absolutely life-changing for me was an educational psychology class. And it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And it changed my career direction. I went into counseling. I went into counseling. And I dropped, you know, yeah, I've got my Bible degree and all that kind of stuff. But it changed my direction. And I thought, you know, this is what God has called me for. You know, I can do diagnostics. I do understand, you know, shooting problem solving, shooting, you know, uh, you know into the dark with an educated guess. But then about 10 years ago, God sticks me in a pulpit. And I'm going, God, really? 
Like, you know, we could have done this a long time ago. Why did, you know, why all this just to get there? And then about four or five months ago when we decided we were going to close church and all that, I was like, well, God, why, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. And I thank God for that, that it doesn't make sense. Because when things start to make sense to me, I need to be really aware. We need to really be aware of whose thinking, whose wisdom am I listening to? When I preached through 1 Corinthians a long time ago, there's a portion that Paul wrote. And he said, the wisdom of man, anybody know how that finishes? Is what? Foolishness. Foolishness. Which leads me to the title of my sermon, which for 10 years, I think I gave like two or three sermon titles. All right. Most of the time, I just preached from book, verse by verse, that kind of thing. I didn't need a sermon title. But I love First Peter because... It's just, it, it moved me. It made me think. And this is where I came up with, wait for it. Wait for it. Chuck wanted me to give a sermon title, and I'm going through. I love First Peter 1.13. I've, you know, sat with people over the years in counseling, and I explained to them how First Peter 1.13 is so crucial to us as believers. It says, prepare your mind for action, be sober in the spirit, and wait for the grace to be given to you. Now, that's my New American Standard uh, translation. But the idea is to think ahead. My father drilled that into my head. Think ahead. Don't, don't get the wrong idea, but I guess I was about 14, 15 years old, Nobody was home. We're living in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. I'm around firearms. My dad was a cop, so, you know, <sighs> I shot a hole in the wall. <laughs> right? You know, just, I wasn't thinking. You know, wasn't thinking. It's a revolver. You know, it's cool. You know, you see the movies where they spin the chamber and And all of a sudden it went Bang! 1 Peter 1.13 says, therefore, prepare your mind for action. I was unprepared. Then it's like, oh, crud, on the other side of that wall is the bathroom. Yeah, and all I'm thinking is, I just shot and killed the toilet. I did not. I did not. God in his grace, I could just picture it. God in his grace reached down. And stop that bullet somewhere in the wall. All right? He said, it's fatheads like you that need me. How many of you are fatheads? Yes. I love having company. I do. But it's about, wait for it. I'm telling you these stories. And I could have stopped at any point in time and had this dramatic pause. My fake telephone call. Oh, hey, Chuck. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then just put the phone back in my pocket and not said anything and made you wait for it. 
But I want you to understand there's a huge principle of waiting for it. And we're going to see it in 1 Peter. I want you to remember, how many of you know anything about Peter? When I say wait for it, and the Apostle Peter, do they normally go together? You know, I mean, you know, jumping out of the boat, you know, doing that thing. Everybody makes fun of Peter, but I just want to say, do you know any other humans that have done that? But he also cut off Malchus's ear. He was rather spontaneous, telling Jesus, you're not going to Jerusalem and dying. Well, if you are, we're going with you, and we'll just die with you. So for Peter to write, prepare your mind for action, be sober in the spirit, and wait for the grace. I want you to remember who wrote this. When God gets a hold of us, Things by their very nature need to change. Things will change unless we get in the way. I've gotten in the way of God's plan. I don't know if you can, you know, relate to that. But let's read what Peter was focused on. First Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 1, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ... To those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia who are chosen. I'm not going to get into predestination. I'm not going to get into election. But I want you to understand if you have received the Spirit of Christ in you because of your accepting Christ himself as Lord and Savior, you are chosen. Amen? All right. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. I want to stop here and just, I'm going to make some comments on this. I can't help myself. I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. Um, that we may obey Jesus Christ. You can still be chosen. You can still be blood-bought. You can still be heaven-bound and disobey, disobey God. Anybody with me on that? Okay. But then we get into this other piece. You may be, uh, obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. There's forgiveness. There's that initial forgiveness where you become a member a lifetime member, like an eternal lifetime member. Through that sprinkling of the blood, may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope, a lively, a lively hope. All right? I, you know... My wife and I have been coming here, kind of, you know, sitting in the back as a therapist. Yes, I've analyzed every one of you. And for $10, I will tell you what my assessment is. Just kidding. Just kidding. 
All right? But I love, I love to hear amen. I love to see hands raised in worship. I love to see the body of Christ that doesn't look like the corpse of Christ. The body, living, lively. I love that. I love that. But what gets in the way is us. Life and how we interact with it. Verse 3 again. Who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain, to have acquired an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, won't fade away, and it's reserved in heaven for you. In one sentence he says four things about our place in heaven that's there because of Jesus Christ. And how we interact with that presentation, individual presentation of God to us initially that says, I am who I say I am. Believe on me. Receive me. Become an eternal member of my family. I will adopt you. God's not willing that any should perish. But there's a come part. Come unto me. That's heaven. Four different. I love it. I love it. The first time I read this, I was like, where has this been? Where has this been all my life? This is exciting. Verse 5, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation. How many of you understand what Peter just said? Who are protected by the power of God through faith for what? For salvation, not for an easy slide through life. Just one day you wake up, you're in heaven. Hey, it was great. No. No. We're protected in this life that one day we will apprehend salvation in its fullest. You are saved, but the end of your salvation is heaven, eternity with Christ Jesus. But here, but here, how many of you know the story of, you know, why and when Peter wrote this? Good, let me tell you. (laughs) It's funny. I just got a check before we started, and I'm going to my wife. I'm going, hey, honey, I got paid. Let's leave. You know, that's so wrong, okay? But I got paid. But I haven't done anything yet. Well, that's kind of like this. That thief on the cross didn't do anything, but he was getting to heaven. He never was baptized. He never sang any praise choruses, okay? He never led anyone to Christ, Protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Talking about that rapture. That rapture. I am all for the rapture plan. I just want you to know that. I am for the rapture plan. I think it's a great idea. I couldn't have come up with it. But I want you to know And I'm going to jump a little ahead right now, 
but I'm going to, I just want you to know, if you're excited about being saved, being set aside, being called of God, I want you to, don't go there, but go into chapter 2, verse 9. It says, and you are a royal priesthood. Awesome. I read that, and I was just picturing myself with robes and a big hat and stuff, and it would have been cool, all right, gold and white. That's not the way it works. But we're a royal priesthood here to declare the riches of God's glory. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a story to tell. To people who are believers because you build the body up, and unbelievers to bring them into the body through an invitation and saying, if God could take me, he could take anyone. Verse 6, I love this. Okay, you got to read this as just like one continuous, I'm sorry I keep you know stopping, but I want you to just, it's awesome. Okay, we're scattered, but we're not lost. We're heaven bound and it's secure. It is so secure. LifeLock has nothing on this. All right. It is awesome. We got an inheritance that we didn't do anything to deserve. God says, believe in my son. You're in. Give me your heart. You're in. Follow my son. You're in. And he says, in this you greatly rejoice, verse 6. Even though for a little while, I just, I'm a little over, I said I was 45, I'm not, a little older than that. And it says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while. How many of you have ever been flummoxed, I love that word, flummoxed by God, just confused, just confused. You're doing all the right stuff. You're eating right, you're praying, you read your Bible. I mean, come on. I mean, who's holy? Me. Look at that Bible, right? I I crack myself up sometimes. Even though for a while, if necessary. Oh, man, there's that little thing Peter just had to put in there. This is Peter. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you will face various kinds of trials. He is speaking from personal experience. Um, You got. If this was my church, all right, we had chairs. We didn't have pews. We had chairs. All right, and I just start walking towards you. It didn't matter if you were sitting in the back. I would get to you. All right, I can't do that here, but I want you to know. I got a handheld mic, and I know how to use it, all right? But I want you to think about this, how God pursues for our benefit. And he also gives us distress as it's necessary, verse 7, that the proof of your faith, the proof. Do you know what that is? How many of you uh, are numismicists, Right? Great word, coin collector. Anybody a coin collector? Okay, there's not too many of us left. Okay, there's a thing called a proof set. 
it is stamped at uh, the, uh, the mint, and it's never touched by human hands. It is taken out, gloved hands, or probably now machine, put into clear envelopes, and sealed. That's a proof set, okay? That's a proof set. I want you to think about what God is saying through Peter, that the proof of your faith, that's the end. That's the end. As we have grown, as we have progressed, if we have gone through trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable. You get stuff hot enough, it burns. It's gone. Even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's this thing about... I'm going to jump to the end. You know that passage where it says, you know, on that day when we see him, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the proof. Okay? The well done. When an inspector comes by those coins and looks at it and says, nice, flawless. That's the way God wants to see us as we follow him. We are covered, not willfully sinning, but we do. God wants us to do, you know, certain things, but he won't make us. Satan wants us to do certain things, but he can't make us. We have choice. When we sin, it says we ask for forgiveness. That forgiveness brings us back to that state of absolute perfection, not only in our disposition, but also our position with God. How many of you have ever sinned or even thought about sinning and you start to feel that thing? Oh, you know, it's that war within that Paul talked about. Peter struggled. But listen to him right. Something has happened. Where he's writing these things, we know your story, Peter. may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. Do you ever feel like you don't love God? Maybe, you, you know, you just feel like he's abandoned you. You, you've, you're so, you know, you've so messed things up that it's just like, I, you know, I can't accept his love. I'm too flawed. But believe in him. A guilty conscience is a sign that you are connected to God, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. An unbeliever wants to feel good. A believer knows how to get right to feel good. And though you don't see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. That's focus. When I was teaching psychology, I'd have a screen about this size. I'm in the lecture hall, and I got a red dot, black screen, red dot. Lights are low. And I said, stare at that. And after a while, 
everything disappears. Everything because of focus. All this other stuff disappears. In life, these trials make us focus or are designed to make us focus. Verse 10, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry. Verse 11, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, remember that, but you in these things... They were serving us 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. Any of the prophetic writings has some link to us, serving us. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things into which the angels long to look. The angels still don't know about our salvation. They just can't figure it out because God hasn't revealed it to them. But in verse 13, it says, therefore, how many of you have you know, any kind of study of English language? What's the therefore, therefore? Okay. It's to look back at the other stuff. The first 12 verses, therefore, because you have this heaven thing, because you have a faith, because you have protection, because, because, because. I want to break into the Wizard of Oz right there, but I won't. <laughs> right? That's just the way this thing works. I'm sorry. Therefore, therefore, gird up your minds for action. Be sober in the spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your mind for action. Two pieces. Prepare and action. Be sober in the spirit literally means don't be emotionally driven. And the other part is wait for the grace. Wait for it. Wait for it. How many of you have gone through things where you have to wait for it and you're saying, oh, this is so enjoyable. I love it. I'm having such a grand time. Uh, my wife and I were not alone on 95. I understand we uh, had some folks here on 95 yesterday coming home from the Carolinas. I was coming home, my wife and I, from Charleston. And you get in your car, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, you turn on all the equipment, it's like a 747, man, you got the GPS, you got your cell phone with the GPS and the map and everything is on, and it's telling you, you'll be home by 1.30. I've done this long enough to know what day. Because... In between your start and your finish, sometimes you got to wait for it. You hit that pile up. I love going through traffic. All right, I'm lying. I hate going through traffic. 
where there's this slowdown. And I'm one of these guys. How many of you kind of like you're in one extreme lane or the other, and you're kind of going out, kind of looking ahead, you know? And then, you, honey, this goes on for like 400 miles. I suggested to my wife yesterday, I said, did you notice that both shoulders are completely empty? <laughs> See, you've thought of it. And I had to wait for it. Had to wait for it. There's a lot to be said about waiting. This is Peter. Prepare your mind for action. Go back through Peter's history. He learned a few things. He learned a few things. If you go back in the Old Testament and you talk about Noah, there's, there's a lot of people that I'd love to go through with you about this, but I want to take Noah in particular. It says Noah was a righteous man. A righteous man. What made Noah righteous this is the double points round if anybody gets this right you get twice as many points so go ahead what made noah righteous proximity proximity yeah faith absolutely his walk yeah it was intentional intentional prepare your mind for action it's intentional Second Timothy, study to show thyself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed. Study. That word in the Greek means work hard with great diligence, sweat. I can get into that back in the day. You know, I still do some, you know, stuff and, and uh, you know, I can break a sweat. But we're to break a sweat as we study this word. Well, that's how we prepare our minds for action. Because action is coming. Peter even wrote, he says, these trials as necessary. How many of you love going into something? Wow, didn't see that coming. Okay. How many of you like to be prepared? Do you remember taking your driver's test? You read that little dumb pamphlet until you were purple. All right? Why? I wanted to pass. This was down in Virginia. My driving license experience lasted almost a minute and a half, I think. We'd been driving since we were probably 14, 13, farm vehicles. We were better drivers than people. You know, we're certainly better drivers than just about anybody in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I know. My wife's from Jersey. I'm going to hear about this. All right? But prepare your mind for action because Peter just talked about going to heaven. Gosh, who are we going to meet there? God. There's no, there's no but but you see, there was this thing, and then, then that person, and well, there was actually three of them people, and they made me, it's, you, no Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. That's not going to fly. 
That's not going to fly at all. What we have to do is prepare our minds for action because there is difficulty coming. We put on the full armor of God because this is warfare. This is deadly warfare, but we are more than... Oh, the war's been won. Can you get others to do that? I love when that happens. The battle is over, or the war is over, but the battles, we still have to fight them. But it's not because the outcome's in question. Our perfection is these trials, as necessary, are there to perfect our faith. Why do we study? Because there's action coming. There's action coming. I'm going to tell you a weird story. What time am I supposed to be finished? Seriously, I could go until 1, 2. What, what time? 11, 11. What time am I supposed to be done? 11, 1130? 11.30 is good? All in favor? Good. Okay. Let me call Chuck and tell him. Two years ago? Two and a half years ago, I was driving down by my mom in Charleston by myself. Uh, I had the pickup truck. And it was pouring. And I had, I don't know, 150, 200 pounds of sand in the back. But, I mean, it's pouring. And I'm somewhere in Virginia. And on 95, you got roadways that go that way. And... You know, the rain is going this way. And so at the bottom, it's like you have the Colorado River. And you're doing 60 miles an hour. I'm in the fast lane. Yeah. All right. I could feel it happen. All right. Now, I'm a little bit weird this way. Um, It kind of slowed down. And I'm going, okay, don't hit the brakes. Steer into the turn, okay, steer out of the turn, and all this. All the while, okay, this is the way I'm supposed to be going. It starts, and I'm doing this. Oh, there's the guardrail. Oh, there's the people behind me. Oh, there's people on the side of me. Oh, good, we're going back frontwards again. No, we're not. Twice. Finally, I'm up out of that water. And everything catches. The wheels grip. The only problem is I'm doing this. (laughs) And they're facing me. I'm not looking at taillights. I'm looking at headlights. It was awesome. Didn't hit anybody. Nobody hit me. Nobody got hurt. But I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and I'm actually talking to a buddy of mine um, in Jersey on my Bluetooth. And I was good up until the point where it was just like, oh, man, I'm going to hit that guardrail. I'm going to hit that guardrail. Well, I did on the fast lane, you know, on that side. Traffic stopped. People were, take, people were taking pictures wanting my autograph. They thought I was like, you know, a stunt car driver. Guy gets out, and he's like, sir, are you okay? I hate when young people do that. Sir, do you need a walker? No, just give me a stick. 
He said, are you okay? And I just, you know, in my stupidity and, you know, just, I just you know, without, mm, I said, oh, yeah, I do this all the time. I got it started, got off 95. Everybody was holding up cards, 9.8, you know. <laughs> I got off, checked out the damage. Okay, everything's cool. I continue, make a few phone calls and so forth. But you know what I did? I was thinking, how could I have driven better that if this happens again, I don't hit the guardrail. Not that I don't hydroplane, but that I don't hit the guardrail. I wanted to prepare my mind for action because, you know, in life, sometimes you just get that flooding that you don't see. And unless you're preparing your mind spiritually for that phone call, that event, that thing, it can wipe you out. It can wipe you out. And here Peter is saying, I had some stuff in my life that could have wiped me out, should have wiped me out, but by the hand of God, I went through them and I learned some things. First Peter is about stuff Peter learned. The important stuff. Are you going through stuff right now? Prepare your mind. Maybe it's on the far horizon. You know, at a certain age, you know, you don't think about getting sick. You don't think about this, that, and the other thing. But at a certain age, you got grandkids, and you're going, Lord, what do I do? How do I act? How do I talk to my son and my daughter-in-law? about Christ when they don't want to hear it? How do I talk to my neighbor who will do anything for me? But doesn't want to listen to certain things, doesn't want to, like, grab the hook and let me, you know, go a little further? It was awesome. About two, three weeks ago, got a text from my neighbor. They got twins. I actually performed the uh, marriage for this couple. It's really weird being a pastor when you say, oh, yeah, I married this couple. And you go, oh, so it's the three of you living together now? You know, it's like I married them. Uh, okay, that was a pastor joke, but anyway. I get this text. The twins, five years old, want to know about heaven. I'm cutting the grass, okay? I look and smell like the wrath of God. You know, how am I going to talk about heaven? So I went over and I sat down with these two. And you know, I don't know, anybody got five-year-olds in their lives? You know how short their attention span is, okay? I'm, I'm going, okay, so what do you want to know about heaven? Oh, Uncle Paul, did I show you my new toy? <laughs> You're like, oh, this is going well. But I got down to where they were. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. How could I do that? Because I pray for them. 
I pray for people. Lord, give me opportunity. Pray for that. You want to go through some testing? Pray that God gives you opportunity to share his son. You'll get opportunity to grow and be scared to death. God, I don't know what I'm doing. They just asked me about God. They just asked me about Jesus. Well, I'm going to tell you, prepare your mind for action. It's right here. The thing that will hold you back, that will hold me back, is that second part and the third part. These are commands, by the way. These are not suggestions. Okay? Hey, great idea number seven. Let's try that one. No. It says, therefore, therefore, as in because of this, you... Me need to prepare our minds for action. We need to study. We need to be ready. We need to be given, you know, any opportunity, be able to give a reason for the hope that's within us. Prepare your mind for action. Be sober in the spirit. That's point number two. Don't be emotionally driven. I'm going to be real quick on this one. How many of you have ever been emotionally driven and it worked out? Yeah, that's about the score. It's your choice. You and I can control our emotions. How many? Come on, where's the amen? (laughs) You don't believe that. Okay. I want you to understand we have a choice. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Satan is poking fiery darts. It's a little more than a poke. And we can still say, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to throw you in there. We're going, well, that stinks. But either way, my God is cool. Okay. I'll either die in this whole thing or I won't. And if I die, Paul said it, to live as Christ, to die is gain. But I'm not going to deny. You make ahead of time. You make that choice ahead of time. I will not surrender. I will not. Be sober in the spirit. Okay? Prepare your mind for action. Study. This is the playbook. Be sober in the spirit. You have a choice. Now, door number three. Wait for the grace Wait for it. Wait for it. How many times have you heard somebody say, usually pastors or whatever, they were so close, but they just didn't wait. The hunter comes down out of his tree stand. The fisherman reels it up and says, that's it, I'm done. And the guy standing next to him, man, here comes that 400-pound bass. All right? There's enough there to feed a small village. All right? Or what about that person that you're witnessing to, you're sharing Christ with, and you finally say, that's it, this isn't happening. Let me move on. Let me move on. How long did it take Noah to build the ark? A hundred and twenty years. And I just know his neighbors were really supportive of him. 
You go, Noah. Boy, is that a nutcase over there or what? Wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Stay the course. It's not always going to make sense to you. In fact, there will be plenty of times, maybe even the majority of the time, in hindsight, you can say, oh, yes, I can see where God worked. In the moment, you're going, where is God? If you prepare your mind for action, you're going to see a whole bunch of cases in here. Just read the Psalms. I love reading the Psalms when I'm feeling a little, you know, David. I love David. David, whoa. And he's going, how long, God, are we going to be going through this? And you know what God says to him? (laughs) Usually nothing. (laughs) Except on the inside. Because there's a change, just like Peter changed. No one never deviated. It doesn't appear. At least in this book, he just seemed rock solid. David always comes around to, but nevertheless, in spite of my circumstances, nevertheless, my God reigns. So does yours. Prepare your mind for action. Be sober in the spirit and wait for it. Now, because I'm doing teaching a lot, um, I don't know if I should. Hey, what the heck? I'm going to do it. The only thing that could happen is Chuck throw me out of church. (laughs) Will you walk out of here with one piece of information that you're going to hang on to and say, I'm going to do that. Is there one piece where you have learned something? What have you learned? Anybody learn anything? Come on, make me feel good. Lie. Just raise your hand. Oh, good. I feel good now. Okay, now let's pray. Father, I do thank you. Uh, for this group. I thank you for your word. I thank you that this is a truth that endures. That same lesson is 2,000 years plus old. That we need to rely on you. We need to study your word. We need to be prepared for action. You called us as a royal priesthood. That's activity. That's action. That's proactive. And Father, you told us not to be afraid any number of times. And Father, I thank you that you have given us free will, that we can wait, and that you always come through. It just might take a while. Thank you, Father. Bless these folks. Watch over Kim and Chuck. Lord, take care of them. Bring them back. Refreshed. Thank you for this music team. Father, I pray that you would bless them, protect them. Satan's not real thrilled with them, I'm sure. But, Father, you are well pleased. In Jesus' name, amen.